0: Recorded live by the least illustrious G&B comedy alums who call North America home, it's Transformation Thursday. My name is Bill Satry, and because I don't know how to say no, I am now the big voice of the podcast. Your hosts for this journey through Tangentville are Natalie Walker from Mission, British Columbia, and Amy Stevens, the displaced Minnesotan who now calls Rochester, New York home.
1: Well, we're back for Mark end-of-year hiatus. Okay, I'm just back. Just in case you're new to Transformation Thursday, my name is Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her. My co-host Natalie Walker and I will be back soon with new episodes, but until then, enjoy this storytelling set that I did on November 18th, 2021 at the Bread and Water Theater here in Rochester, New York. What you're about to hear is an autobiographical look at my life, going back to my earliest memories of how my life has unfolded as a woman who happens to be transgender. There are places in this set that detail gender dysphoria, childhood sexual abuse, and suicide ideation. So, if any of these topics are triggering for you, please listen realizing you may need to skip through some portions. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy this very personal look at my life, but before you hear my story, the big voice of Transformation Thursday, Bill Sadri, is here to remind you that what you are listening to is copyrighted material.
0: This is Bill Satry, the big voice of Transformation Thursday, here to remind you that what you're listening to is copyrighted material, all rights reserved 2021. You can find Transformation Thursday online by searching for at Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. It's free. And it does help get Transformation Thursday to a larger audience.
1: The one and only co-host of Transformation Thursday, she has performed in Rochester, New York City, DC, and London, and her tits look amazing tonight. Give it up for Amy Stevens! Thank you, everybody. Welcome. You know, this is like a, I started producing shows a couple years ago. This is my second show since the pandemic. And, you know, you get nervous that nobody's going to show up. And I want to thank you all for coming out tonight. You're a small but mighty audience. You guys have been fantastic. Give yourselves a round of applause. <laughs> Book, and I'm going to be really honest, really truthful with you this evening. And it's going to be very heartfelt to touch. Oh, we've been some humor, but it's not my usual set that you've seen me you perform before either here live or on YouTube. So, here we go. Some of this stuff I've held on to for over 30 years. 30 years of carrying some of this stuff in here, up here, and tonight. I'm going to load some of this shit onto you guys, so congratulations. Let's go. So anyway, so I met with a friend earlier today. He's like, what's your goal for this show? And I said, fuck, I don't know. He said, well, you need to have a goal. And I said, well? He said, well, I want it to be more than just a story. I want there to be a lesson involved here. And so really, Tom? That he
0: no, that was that was that was Willard. Thank you very much. You're
1: welcome. Snitch. <laughs> <laughs> now. Ah, <laughs> oh, so the last I want to leave to you is that, you know, when we think about the transgender and gender diverse experience, we think a lot of people think you know these people are kind of messed up, you know. And I think some of that stigma is starting to go away. But you know, I you look around this room here. You know, We all are different in our own ways. We're all unique in our own ways. And we all go through our life with our own experiences. I don't care if you're a twin. Your twin's going to have a different life experience than you. Your wife's going to have a different life experience. Your husband is. Everybody's going to have a different life experience. Nobody goes through life one way. So our experiences are going to be different. So I started coming out almost five years ago. And... Shortly thereafter, I was walking through the grocery store one day, and it was one of my first times out. I had makeup on the side of my face, you know, coming down here across my left arm. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. (laughs) Wearing a dress that was probably three sizes too big. And I was just trying to figure life out, and this lady comes up, and she's like, How long have you known? You know, it'd be really easy for me at this point in my, at this set to say, You know, I knew when I was three or five years old. But if you listen to my podcast, you know I'd be full of shit. Truth of the matter is, I didn't really put it together until a little bit later in life. Back in 2017, I ended up at dinner with a family member. Um, I hadn't seen her in 30-some years. Her name is Kim. She lives in the Tampa, Florida area. We sit down for dinner and one of the first things she says is, I'm so happy that you are a volunteer firefighter. You. you used to watch the TV show Emergency all the time. Does anybody know when the way that TV show was on? That was the like early 70s. The second thing out of her mouth was, I also remember when you came over to our house, we were the first one downstairs to play dress up. You loved wearing the girls' clothes. I'm like, ooh, that stuck. But she didn't actually, I, you know, that was February 2017, so I just started coming out to myself. But even at three to five, there were some things that were classified as girly. And I love to do my hair with my mom, do, do the nails, hang out with my aunts, my uncles, and my dad. I'm like, yeah, you're yeah, cool, but I'm going to hang out with the girls. So it's one of those things. But yet, my parents shared with me one time, it was like, yeah, we we're starting to get a little worried about you, but then you had this friend named, this older friend named Tony, and Tony introduced you to this thing called hockey. And so I started playing ice hockey a little after, when I was three going on four, so I'm 49 now, and I still referee ice hockey. Played hockey as a kid. I did radio, television, broadcasting hockey in college. So I've been refereeing since 1992. So hockey's been a part of my life for a very long time. So my parents are like, great. I'm going to use this terminology. It's like, he's doing boy shit. You know, everything's fine. You know, of course, this is 1975, 77. So the way we approach gender and things now is a lot different than what we did back in the 70s. Then when I was eight, something interesting happened. This is gonna be a little triggering, so if you need to walk out or you don't want to hear about it, you know I understand some of the stuff is gonna be a little triggering.
0: We had a babysitter,
1: she was, I was eight, she was 16, nice, nice girl, don't remember her name. But she really liked me. She she used to say all the time, you yeah, have really long eyelashes, really beautiful blue eyes. You should be a girl. Like, oh, okay. Why well, don't we play together for a little bit? And they're in this new game called Doctor. Mm-hmm. You may have heard of that. Just one game, yeah, of course.
0: <laughs> I still play
1: it. Though. Yeah. <laughs> i play with eight-year-olds.
0: Easy. Sorry. Right,
1: so, and one day. We were playing doctor, and she was giving me an examination and the way that a babysitter would, when he was 16, he was probably a little star for attention, and my brother, and he noticed, my brother was a couple years younger than me, but he noticed right away something was wrong, and when mom and dad got home, he told on us, and I was mad at him, because I didn't view it as something wrong, I, I kind of enjoyed it, she put me in her clothes, dressed me up, and then... So that was a really interesting thing to deal with. And I say interesting very tongue in cheek, of course. But it was part of my life experience. And we'll circle back to this as we go through the evening. Later in life, or not later in life, right? but after that, my parents were like, okay, what you did to you is wrong. You're not supposed to do this. You know My parents, I think, dealt with it as well as they could in roughly 1980. And what I thought was an appropriate talk, but I think today they would have put me in therapy. We were, we we're my therapist over here, yeah. You know, i oh, yeah. well, a whole bunch of therapists here, so you know, what we'll business cards sitting outside for you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, they have waiting this <laughs> too, so anyway. And so today we would just handle that a little bit differently than we did. But I you know I had, my parents were upset for a while because they're like, we did the best we could with you. I'm like, yeah, I. About 10, we were over at my parents' friend's house, and we were in a bedroom in the back of the house, and we were playing dress up. Of course, he was wearing the girls' clothes at age 10? Hi! And you know, my dad walked in, and my dad liked belts. You know where I'm going with that. And I was told, quite frankly, that's not what boys do. You don't want me labeled as queer, do you? Of course, no, I didn't want to be. So I learned really quick that, you know, boys don't do that kind of stuff. But I need to hide this. I need to repress it. I grew up Lutheran in Minnesota, like a lot of people do. Lutefisk, lefse. She's trying to find a something for that interview. Lefse. Well, oh, I didn't hear that word. Lefse. Lefse. Spell it. L-E-F-S-E. That's the Norwegian Minnesota side coming out. So, I grew up in a very conservative, middle class neighborhood, a little bit north of St. Paul, Minnesota. And I had this secret. And every once in a while, I would take a sick day from school. And growing up, I was tall, lanky, ended up being 6 feet 145 in my junior, senior year of high school. But when it took my sick days, I would have this amazing opportunity to play dress-up. And when he was home, I had the house to myself for six hours. This is where we get into some of this deep stuff, and I would be able to fit into my sister's clothes. And then in the spring, yeah, early spring of 1989, jumped in a car with some friends went downtown St. Paul for the Minnesota State High School Hockey Tournament. Who's ever heard of the Minnesota State High School Hockey Tournament? Can you imagine 20,000 people in an arena for high school hockey? That was the environment. But there was also this thing called an Alberta Clipper, which is, in the springtime, being in Minnesota, the wind and the snow would come down from Canada and create a big blizzard. And in that blizzard of 1989 on March 3rd, I was riding in the back seat of a reliant K car. We crashed into a car in front of us doing roughly 45 miles per hour. The car behind us hit us and wasn't well, wearing a seatbelt and I got tossed around pretty good and ended up breaking my L1 vertebrae. I still carry two metal rods in my back, six vertebrae fused together. But, I got I got eight weeks off from school, so I missed the rest of that quarter from school, so guess what I got to do? Dress up. Yeah! <laughs> Congratulations. And my younger brother, true story, <laughs> not that it's not my younger brother, but, but when I stayed home, I got to dress up again. My sister had this beautiful y strapped one-piece, blue and white striped bathing suit that got stretched out. And she comes out and one after we go back to school, June of 1989, she comes out and she's like, what happened to my swimming suit? It's all stretched out, what happened to it? And I'm like, I don't know. Fast forward to 2019 talking to my sister on the phone and I said, like, guess what, I have a secret. I'm transgender. Remember
0: that blue and white smoking suit that got stretched out of? It was you. <laughs> did you know it takes money and time to host, edit, and market a podcast? And did you know our hosts have limited funds? but still want to get Transformation Thursday out to a larger audience. This is where you come in. Head over to TransformationThursday.com where you will find the Transformation Thursday Patreon page. There, someday, Natalie and Amy will start to post Patreon-only content. So let's all help our hosts, Natalie and Amy, get Transformation Thursday out to a larger audience. Patreon levels start at just $1 a month. That is it. One dollar a month to help the world understand the trans and gender diverse community. Just head online and go to TransformationThursday.com. But that became a time
1: back, and through my coming out process, there's other time backs so I've involved with that. But we're gonna move forward with my story from 1989. We're gonna to move to 1990. We're by that time, I was a radio TV film major at the University of Wisconsin madison where I got my Bachelor of Arts. And I met my first ex wife. As I always do through my comedy, through my podcast, or whenever I talk about these, I never say the names of my exes or people that I'm currently involved with romantically, just to provide some protection for them for privacy reasons. But through that relationship, we started dating in 19. Yeah, spring of 1993, we started dating, and a year later, we were engaged. And, what, and then I had my first off-campus housing situation. And didn't have the internet quite yet, then it was a couple years down the road. You know, some, some of the younger folks were like, no internet, <laughs> there was a world without the internet. So when I started my stash collecting female clothing, Laundry, underwear, stuff like that, and some dresses, and some other things. But I did it the old-fashioned way, came in a vanilla envelope through a catalog, or imagine that. That was really a thing before the internet. Before Amazon, was <laughs> <laughs> There was Sears. And then some of that stuff I up, of course, my ex found that stash, wanted to know what was up with it. I was honest. And then it started coming into our relationship, and I'm just, once again, just stood for privacy, we'll just say, we we'll use the word fetish, which I really hate that word now, but that's the way it was, and, but that's the way it worked its way into our relationship. And then in 1994, 95, anybody remember the Jerry Springer Show? Anybody <laughs> remember watching it? Todd, you remember watching it in the
0: mid-90s? Uh,
1: of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and remember the mid-90s.
0: <laughs> Why is it funny, dude?
1: I made myself the fun of that. I called him into the set.
0: Anyway, so
1: but Jerry Springer would have trans women on in the mid '90s, right? Does anybody else remember this? Do you remember the punchline at the end of the show? The, the boyfriend would be there with this beautiful trans woman, and the punchline was, "I man, And Steve would have to come out and separate, you know everybody the crowd would be going wild and everybody would be like oh i can't believe it but i'm like i want to be heard i knew then, and that's why i'd say it'd be easy for me to say yeah i didn't to three or four. but that's and i could look back with some 2020 hindsight and piece it together but that's not being honest but still i ended up with the first sex that i met in college and you got engaged Cause I had this plan for my life: I was getting married, I was having a career, in radio, I was you know having kids and doing everything that you were supposed to do. January of 1997, we got married. By March of 1998, I received divorce papers. The bitch filed on my birthday too. Cold-hearted, right? And yeah, I bring that up a few years later, so yeah, I got over it, right? <laughs> But by that time, I was living in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. As I said, I grew up in Minnesota. My family had relocated to Arizona, so I ended up moving to Arizona to be closer to my family. And I met this really cool guy. We were working together at a company in Scottsdale, Arizona. And we became friends, and we'd hang out, and I would go over to his house for barbecues, hang out with his family. But there was never any drinking. The language was clean. We just watched. College football on Saturdays. Never hang out and do that on Sunday because Sunday they were at church. And when they went to church, they went to church for three hours. you imagine going to church for three hours and actually saying you like it? You see a lot of noses come in. The reason why it was three hours is because they're Mormons. Oof. <laughs> but at that point in my life, I had, Greg and I weren't working together, but we were still friends, and I had become a flight attendant, I had a female roommate, once again, a little bit shorter than me, but re- relatively same stature. If she was on the road, and I was in the apartment, I could wear her clothes. I could be in the And then at that point in my life, I was still viewing this as a fetish, and something I had to overcome, because God was going to be mad at me, if I died, I was going to go to hell because if I went to God and he knew I was wearing Mormon's clothing in secret, there's trouble to be had there. So eventually I ended up going into Mormon church. Let's be honest, I was hiding from myself. I knew what I was doing, yeah. The Mormon church provided me friends, my next sex wife. Yeah. she's a wonderful lady. We're still friends. Actually, drove me here tonight because she really wanted me start drinking. So, hats off to her. She's been through a lot. But we met, and we met in when I was in the process of becoming a Mormon in 1999. We were friends for ten months. We started dating. Ooh, careful he was Started dating in August of 2000. We were engaged in September of 2000, married in January of 2001. People are like, that's really quick, right? Not (laughs) for So we got married in January of 2001, by April of 2001. You got the news for me. What do you think it was? Oh. A baby? A baby. baby. Yeah. My oldest, she's fantastic. She's a junior over at Puff State right now. She's fantastic. But at this point, I'm like, I'm here. I'm living the dream. I'm a guy, I'm doing my thing, I have a wife, I have a kid on the way. I'm a patriarchal ruler. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And I'm going to get my own
1: planet called Miracola someday. (laughs) And if you know anything about Mormon theology, you know I'm not joking about that. So Mormonism really did work, and it suppressed me, but not forever, because obviously I'm here, right? In 2006, I went in active from the church. And again, what came creeping into the relationship? Maybe. not quite yet, but the lingerie, the fetish. But it was okay, it was just a bedroom thing. It was something we did privately and secretly, then in 2008, we ended up relocating from Arizona here to Rochester, where we've been for 13 years now. Sorry about that. <laughs> Stayed inactive for a couple years. And once again, three-hour church. Second baby had arrived by that point. Could you imagine being 12 and having a little group of queer friends around you in junior high and nobody bullying you for that? That's the environment they're in right now in the Round of Pretty amazing. But three hours later, on a Sunday, family's gone to church. Guess what I got to do? I got to wear my ex-wife's clothes. I never got caught, I put them away very specifically on the right hanger, facing the right way, made sure they were ironed and taken care of. 2013, Kurt came up for a visit, went to the Hill Kamora pageant, felt the spirit, and I said, you know what, maybe I should go back to church. I ended up going back to church if we can give it that old college turning in and ended up becoming the Elders quorum president of our local congregations. You may know what an elders quorum president is. In Mormonism, there's no paid leadership at the local level. And so the Elders Quorum president is essentially the leader of the men's group. In 2015, we got together with a bunch of Mormon friends for Halloween and I would just miss a doubtfire. Yeah, one of my friends was like, "You look a little too comfortable in that skirt." Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a little too comfortable. Then 2016, he you know, was back and forth, going, "There's something here with this." Went to a barbells for Booze fundraiser, wore a tutu bra and panties. And I had a fun time, and everybody was making fun of me. like, well, you look too comfortable now. Yeah, I am. In 2017, all around January, sitting in the driveway one day, in my Volkswagen Jetta, staring at the garage, thinking, you know, if I went inside and grabbed the the Tylenol PM, and pulled the car into the garage, it was $750,000 of life insurance. I really set my family up. Got out of the car, went. To, didn't have a garage door opener. Looked up at, opened up the garage door. There was the pop-up trailer there and a bunch of other shit, so I couldn't pull the car in. Closed the door. Went back into the house. Went upstairs, cried for a little bit. Started thinking about things, and a couple weeks later, thinking, maybe I should clean out the garage. And I said, you know what, I, you know. I'm, I never research geek. People would know that because I'm actually going to write a thesis because I'm an idiot. <laughs> but I started researching the effects of suicide on kids, and I said, I can't do that. And at that moment, I knew I had a choice. I had a choice of coming out or dying by suicide. I'm here, so you know what my choice is, right? I chose life. So, and that started the process of me coming out, 2017, I jumped on the cross-dressing chat room, and some of you may have heard this joke, but you know, what's the difference between a cross-dresser and a transgender wedding? Three years. But in, my case, but in my case, I was on the Accelerated program and I did it in 16 months. And in 2018, after a lot of thought and consideration, again, do some research and realize that 70-year-old cross-dressers, their biggest regret was, not transitioning when they were younger. And by that time, I was in my mid-40s and I realized I had a choice to make. I made a choice, and as my therapist said, the train left the station. But I was still saying, in the fall of 2018, after being on hormones for a couple months, I'm just general fluid. I can make this work. But by 2019, when we came out, came out to my daughter at the time she was senior in high school, she asked me, like for high school graduation, I said, Larue, what, what do you want me to wear? She's like, I want you to wear a suit. I don't want to cause a commotion at school. That was the last time I wore anything deep and You look at that picture, and I have it someplace, I just look miserable. <laughs> a week later, I posted another picture, and a friend of mine called me and said, Amy, don't ever do that to yourself again. And I have it. Came out, ended up being forced into a little bit of a job change and career change, and I am working on my Master's in Mental Health Counseling at Brockport. There's a few of us that the program together. I'm currently in my practicum, and there's some people here from my practicum site over here on the set, so thank you so much for the help. Everybody give it a round for mental health, all right? Diagnosis? Give give a big loud cheer. How about anxiety? Find somebody to talk to as a friend, just knowing that you're not alone sometimes. So we come back to the lesson. And we're gonna wrap this up here pretty quick. So you ready? <laughs> but we're gonna tie a couple of things back. So the swimming suit with my sister. She said, Why didn't you why didn't you come up to me in 1989? Who's coming out in 1989? You remember the middle of the AIDS pandemic? We're and I grew up in a very religious, nobody's coming out other than straight in that time period. My brother asked me a question when I first came out to him. He said, Well, if you're coming out as transgender, what's your name? So My name's Amy. He started laughing because when I was a kid from 9-10, I asked my parents, what would my name be if I was born female? Their answer was Amy. So my mom, my dad, my brother. And sometimes my sister, when I was being girly, not being masculine enough, would tease me and call me Amy. So they knew the name, and it had meaning. But it had a double meaning for my mom. Because my mom, in 1970, miscarried. So Somehow they knew that that baby was a girl, and that baby was supposed to be Amy. My dad called me one time and said, this have to be Amy. I said, yes, it does. Because one of the first times I went out in 2017, as Amy, I was taking off my makeup, taking off my clothes, and I called the spirit of Amy, and I think you relate to this. That, that spirit of Amy, as I was putting the clothes back into the knuckle bag, said, you're putting me away today, but you will never put me away again. And here I am today, happy, and, and life isn't perfect, but do the best that I can with the best friends that I think I've ever had in my life. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. ever look at me in my wedding dress.
0: Thank you for listening to another meandering episode of Transformation Thursday. The podcast is produced and edited by Amy Stevens and Natalie Walker. The general counsel of the Transformation Thursday podcast network is Francesca Rodriguez. And marketing assistance is provided by Kai Von Doom. Until we all assemble again from the land of 10,000 lakes, my name is Bill Satry, the big voice of Transformation Thursday. Good night, everyone.